welcome. It's so good to see you guys today. It's so nice. It's like a nice, cool fall morning finally. You guys loving this? The rain was so nice. It was just like so refreshing. We haven't had it in so long. Oh, I just feel good. I feel clean this morning, right? <laughs> it feels good. But um, we, if you have not been following along with us, or maybe you're, it's your first time, or you're kind of jumping in like after a few weeks of being away, we've been doing a series called Proverbs, A Life Well Lived. And it's just, we're just learning. Um, we're going through Proverbs one day at a time. Um, so there, we're doing like a little devotionals every day on our social media. So if you follow along on social media, you'll see we're doing, um, we're doing like whatever date is, that's the chapter that we're reading for the day. And someone's uh, usually like people from our church, like all throughout, scattered throughout this crowd, people have been doing devotions. It's really cool to hear lots of different voices and their take on scriptures. And so um, we're doing one little devotional a day, but then on Sundays, we're doing topical because what you're going to find is as you're reading through Proverbs, you're going to see a lot of themes repeated in every single one of the chapters. And it's like, wait, didn't I just read that? And like the, the last one, didn't they say this already? And so what we're doing is instead of like re-going over those topics on Sunday, we're just choosing one of the topics. And so we tried to highlight some of the big themes in Proverbs, and we're going to go over those one by one. So this week, we're going to actually go over what Proverbs says about how to use your words wisely. So if you're taking notes, we're just calling it Word Up today. That's the title of the sermon. I'm not saying that any other time. I don't know why I chose that. I just thought it would be good. But um, we're talking about how our words really matter today. And Proverbs says a ton about this. Like there is so much. I had, I had to pare it down. I was like trying to run through all of the things I wanted to say. And I was going like 45 minutes as I was like running through. And I was like, I'm going to pare this down for you guys. Don't worry. Um, you're gonna get to lunch. You're gonna get to lunch on time today. I cut it down, <laughs> but there's so many good things in Proverbs about how our words are so important. And Scripture actually, it's not just Proverbs that highlights this. It's from the very first sentence when you open up Genesis. It says, "In the beginning was God," and that God, God. Sorry. So, wow, my words are getting all jumbled up. In the in the beginning, the Word was God, and the word was with God. And then it, said, it goes on to say that he spoke, and then he spoke light into existence. He said, let there be light. Then he said, let there be water, let there be fish, let there be. And he spoke. That's how he created the world. He spoke. He used words. And so one of our big themes of today is that our words create worlds. And so if God can create our world with words, we're creating words as his kids we're created in his image, our words have power to create the world around us as well. And so it's really important that we're using our words wisely. We're building that wisely. And so Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. And that's really powerful because our words can either build or they can destroy just with one word, right? With one word, we can set an entire military operation into, into action, right? just one word and so many things change or with two words on the opposite end in, a, in another way you can say these two words and your family can be restor restored relationships can be saved do you guys know what those two words are I'm sorry I'm sorry is a really powerful phrase right 
it, that, those two words have the power to make someone to break down into tears, to soften someone's heart, to restore a relationship. It's powerful. Words can bind you together with other people or they can tear you apart. And your words, they create a pathway for your life. And I think it's really important to like keep in mind too that sometimes we can speak words that are either true or untrue over our lives or we can believe words that are true or untrue over our lives and create a pathway for our own life around those words. Um, so just on the positive side, a good coach is going to speak really positive things into you, right? A good coach will actually help you believe that you can do things that you didn't even think that you could do. They should push you to do more than you ever thought possible. That's what a coach does. And you build your life, you build your whole, like, everything you do around that. My coach did that for me. And I never thought I could do some of the things that I ended up doing in the end. But because she pushed me, she told me I could do it, I did it. So when we believe those positive things, we try for things, right? But on the other end, I, I mentioned this even last week just briefly, but some of us have believed negative things that have been spoken over our life. Someone told us that we weren't smart or that we weren't worth it or that, you know, we weren't gifted in a certain area, so we shouldn't even try. And so some of us have believed that, and we acted accordingly. And I think I just, to encourage some of you, I think some of us need to just, for a moment, go back to that and be like, maybe that was untrue, and maybe I should start trying again. Maybe I should stop believing things that are untrue, and maybe I should start listening to what God speaks over my life. See, the truth is that when we listen to people's words and we believe them, we're building a faith we're building our faith around certain words. And so why wouldn't we choose to put our faith in God's word, right? Why wouldn't we choose to put our faith in God's word who says that he created you? He thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're wonderful. There's nothing that you can't do without his help. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. Just keep going with him. So why don't we then choose to believe those words instead? Because those words really matter. They can change our lives. And Jesus said this about us using our words. In Matthew 12, 36 to 37, he said, And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. The words that you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And so this is not, this isn't to make you guys feel all like, oh no, what if I do the wrong thing? That's not what I'm saying here. What it's saying is, at the end of your life, the words that you've spoken, you're going to be remembered for one thing or another. How did you build your life? What were the words that you spoke over your life? How did you build people in your life or tear them down? Those are going to be remembered. And so it's really important that we live our lives wisely. So Proverbs is basically this whole book is really just about it's just snippets of wisdom. And today we're just going to kind of contrast what some of the wise and unwise ways to use our words were, are. And I think it's really important to kind of talk about both because um, I think sometimes we can get really carried away. Culture will tell you that you should be talking one way and the word of God tells you should be talking another way. I mean, there's all kinds of things in our world that are like, you just tell them what they need to hear. You just go off, right? How many times have you ever heard someone say, go off, right? But scripture would say, that's probably not wise. Probably choose your words a little better. Um, so today we're going to talk about how we can do that, how we can live wise, and what 
is unwise, right? So we're going to actually start with unwise. And so the first thing I want to talk about is um, a, a word that they use quite frequently in Proverbs. Actually, 17 times they talk about this in Proverbs, an unwise way to use our words, and that is quarreling. So, okay, I just want to say off the top, listen, not all colorful discussion is bad, okay? Sometimes you need to you need to duke it out with each other. You need to have a productive conversation, and it's not always an agreement, okay? So I'm not saying don't have arguments with each other ever. The goal is to have come to a consensus, a resolution, and a restoration. You need to enter into conversations that are important. And some of us probably are actually on the other end of that where you don't have conversations when you should be having conversations, which leads to resentment, right? We've stuffed our feelings down and we're resentful because other people aren't treating us nice or doing the things that we had wished they would do, but we never told them, right? We never had a conversation about it. So I'm not saying don't have uncomfortable conversations. We need to do that um, because we don't want to build resentment in our relationships. But there are productive ways to do this. If you guys want to, you know, research this on your own time, you can go to Matthew chapter 18, and it talks all about how you can have productive, confrontational conversations, okay? And so it just talks about not sweeping it under the rug or letting it fester, but go to each other in a private place where, you know, you're not, like, having this, car- like, conversation in front of a bunch of people because that's embarrassing, right? You don't want to embarrass somebody. You start off the conversation on the wrong foot. Talk to them in private. Use gentle words. Be kind. Be humble when you're doing it, knowing that you could have made the same mistake earlier that day or you could make it tomorrow. You don't know. So you want to be humble and saying, hey, this, I know you probably didn't mean this, but so humility is a huge part of that. And restore. It's always the goal is to restore, right? Um, so that is not really the kind of quarreling that we're talking about in Proverbs. Um, the quarreling is, is really not, it doesn't have that end goal of restoration, right? It doesn't have the end goal of consensus. It's usually like, I'm going to tell you off. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong, <laughs> okay? And so I, I, sometimes this is a struggle for me. I don't know about you, but I'm a little, I'm a little feisty sometimes. <laughs> that can be a struggle for me. Um, and actually, how many of you are babies of the family in here? Just a few of you. Okay, so I feel so bad for my my oldest daughter, Brooklyn, because she is the only oldest child in our family. Everybody else is a baby of the family. And babies of the family, you know that we can tend to be instigators sometimes. We just like to like just pester people a little bit sometimes. You know, I used to like, when my when I was little, actually, I can't even say when I was little, I did this as a full-grown adult, I would wait for people to come into the house and, like, wait behind the door and, like, jump out and scare them. And I just, I'd still do this. <laughs> like, I can't even say that I don't still do this. And they, I just love to watch the reaction on people's face. And when they're like, stop it, they get so mad, okay? So, you know what, babies of the family, we kind of do this sometimes. <laughs> We like to poke the bear a little bit because it's hilarious and it's funny. It's probably not a good idea, but, you know, we do this sometimes. You know it. It's true. And I, I still do it sometimes, so I feel so bad for Brooklyn. She's the only one who does not get that. Okay? But that's just being bored and being silly. It's still probably not wise, but all joking aside, there is another kind of quarreling 
that we should really be aware of and really try to avoid in our life. And some of us, it's we're not being silly, right? We know that we have issues with quarreling in our life. And some of that is because there's just this underlying anger inside of us. And sometimes we just don't know why it comes out or what is triggering it, what's causing it to get set off in our life. And um, Proverbs 29, 22 says this, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. And so really the number one reason why we don't want to let this anger fester in our hearts is because it does not produce good things in us. It's, it's the beginning of all kinds of sin in our life. It's the beginning of some downfalls. And anger is one of those things that once you let it out of the cage, it's really hard to get it back into the cage. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Once it's out, you're like, oh, it's going to take a minute to calm down. Um, like, it reminds me of, honestly, we have bunnies, and they're so cute, and they're so snuggly, but once you let those things out of the cage, and we like to let them out, like, we switch the days that they can go outside, and once we let them out and they taste that sweet, fresh air, they're like, I am never going back in that cage again. Like, Never. And we have, like, literally one of our bunnies, we were trying to chase that thing for three straight days. She did not care. She was not coming in. She was so fast. It was, like, so hard to catch her. The only reason she came back inside was because it started pouring rain. And so that is how anger is sometimes, right? But before, before, she, is, before she even gets back inside, before we've gotten her, I have pictures on my Instagram, but... She has, like, eaten up my tomatoes, eaten my cucumbers. She's made a big mess. She's, like, like swooping the dirt everywhere. She's made a mess, right? By the time I get her back in the cage, the damage has been done, <laughs> right? And that's how anger is. When we let it out, it's really hard to rein it back in. So we got to get ahead of it because otherwise, by the time we get it back in, we've left a big mess around us, a relational mess around us. So how do we get ahead of anger and just nip it before it comes out, right? And I think some of us, that's what we're trying, we want to get to. We're like, I know I'm angry. I know I get set off. So I think we have to take a moment to like look within and go, okay, what is it that's really underneath all of that anger? What is it that makes me tick? What is it that makes me get upset? And the truth is that most of the time when we let out our anger, it's in a response to some sort of fear that we have. I know people who, have, who are angry don't like to hear that because you're usually angry because you like to feel powerful, right? In the moment when you're, you're angry, you're like trying to flex, right? You're showing your, your power at that moment. <laughs> you want to feel strong when you're letting out your anger. But the truth is it's actually the opposite reaction to the fear that you're feeling inside, creating this bigness to cover up for what you're wanting to hide in there. And I think we don't always realize it. We don't know what it is, right? We, so it's, it's time to just stop for a moment and go, what am I afraid of losing in this moment? What is it that's setting me off? And for some of us, that's respect. You know, we're afraid that we're going to lose respect if we don't respond in a, in a big way. Or maybe for some of us, it's control. We think that um, if we act big, we can control the moment. Uh, or maybe it's your reputation. You feel like you're going to lose your reputation, 
right? It could be, it could be a number of things. What are, you, what are you afraid of losing? That's the question. When you start to feel that anger rising up, go, wait a second. What am I afraid of right now? What am I afraid of? And the truth is that, you know, angry outbursts can actually be addictive, Anger actually kind of releases the same chemical in your brain. It releases serotonin. And it actually, it makes you, it gives you this illusion. It like, when you're, how many you know when you're feeling anger, you just, it's like this red haze is over your eyes. And you just, ah, oh, you can only see through your, like, lens of anger, right? It's like this heat comes over you. It's the serotonin going through your brain and just getting, it gives you this false delusion of power in that moment. But the truth is that we're actually out of control. We've lost control by the time that we've let it out. And so the goal is to speak back to that fear with love. So scripture says that there is no fear in God's perfect love. So when we're feeling that fear or or feeling that um, anger, the first thing we need to do do is go, okay, what is it that I'm feeling afraid of? And speak back to that and go, okay, there's no fear in God's perfect love. That means whatever I'm afraid of in this moment, I can trust that God has my back. God has my back. I don't have to act out in anger. I don't have to react. I don't have to get control or power of the situation. God has me. I don't need to have control. He has control. He has control. And that means I trust that what he's doing with my life is good. I trust that what he's doing with my life is good. I trust that my kids are going to eventually turn out okay, <laughs> right? I trust that God's way is better. So I'm going to speak love back to myself, and I'm going to put anger back in its place, okay? I'm going to keep it back in the cage. So some of us may be the ones who are dealing with anger, and but then how about the other side of it, right? How about... Those of us who are on the other side of an angry person. How do I respond to someone who's always blowing up? How do I respond to someone who's losing their temper? What do I do in that moment, right? So Proverbs also gives us a little bit of advice about what to do in those moments as well. So the first verse, it's it's a little bit of a twister, so just bear with me here. We'll we'll get through it. It says, it's it's 26 verses 4 and 5, and it says, Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. And then it says, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools. (laughs) And you're like, okay, wait. Are they trying to see if I was paying attention here? Because it just told me not to answer those, and then it told me to answer that. So when do I answer? (laughs) It's kind of confusing. So the whole point of it, really... And this is a prime example of what we were talking about the very first week we opened up with Proverbs when we said that Proverbs is not a list of hard and fast rules for every situation. Proverbs is meant to help you to learn how to discern each situation. Every situation is different. You're not going to have the same answer for every situation. It's there to help you go, how do I wisely think about, consider how I should respond in each situation. And that's what Proverbs is. So it's trying to show you here that even though I'm telling you to do something, there's another way also. So it's be wise, be gentle, be nuanced. That's the key word, right? Be nuanced. And know 
that there's a more than one solution. And so, anyways, we can, we can move past that. But the moral of that is that some fights are worth fighting and others aren't. We have to pick our battles. Have you guys have ever heard that mountain versus molehill analogy, right? Is this a mountain? Is this something that is, that, like, is a huge problem that we need to scale, that we need to climb, that we need to solve? Or is this a molehill? And honestly, it's not that big of a deal, right? Can we just go, it's not worth my time. And I think sometimes we have a trouble distinguishing between what's a mountain and what's a molehill. And just a quick way that I've always done that is to say, will this matter in five years? That's a mountain, right? Will this matter in five days? It's a mid-sized mountain, maybe a smaller mountain. Will this matter in five minutes? No, then it's a molehill. You don't need to worry about that, okay? Move along, move along, deflect, <laughs> get out of that. Move past it, okay? You don't need to, you don't need to engage in that. So, so what and who and how are we supposed to respond when we have people being angry, people trying to start fights with us, right? So I think the first question is, you know, or the first thing we need to do is take our little Zach Morris timeout. Someone's starting to get angry with you. They're starting to try to pick a little fight with you. Or someone says something really dumb and you're like, do I engage or do I not? You guys know, you've been on Facebook last year. You've had to make that decision several times a day probably. Do I engage or do I just scroll on by, <laughs> right? So the first question is, ask yourself, okay, how well do I know this person? How well do I know them? Um, if you don't know this person, don't, do not waste your time arguing with strangers on the internet, right? It's just literally nothing productive about that. It's going to affect your life in zero ways to just scroll on by, right? Just don't take the time. If someone in the grocery store having an attitude, you know what, they probably had a rough day, walk on by. Like, you, don't, you do not have to respond to strangers that are trying to pick a fight or strangers saying dumb things. It's not worth your time. Walk away, right? I think the other question that we need to ask is, what if we do know this person, how well do we know them? Are, like, is, there, are there, is their presence gonna be around us a lot? How much am I affected by this person? Um, if you're gonna be around them a lot and you're affected by them, then you probably need to th consider that. Um, or if, if you could be, um, if they're saying something foolish and you could be guilty by association because of your position with that person. Maybe you should engage with that, right? I think the other question to ask is, what is this person's character like? Once you've established, do I know this person? Do I have enough relationship with them to be able to speak into this moment? What's their character like? And something that we can distinguish in the moment is when someone is saying something that is provoking, right? either you or that's just provoking in general, you can ask yourself one question. Okay, was this statement foolish because they were simply missing some details? Sometimes people say things that are really dumb and <laughs> it's probably because they just don't know. Maybe they've never heard that there's something else, there's more information or whatever. And you can easily just be like, oh, you probably didn't hear about this, but... Whatever. And you can easily share some information, right? So were they just missing some details? Are they, just, are they a person who is generally open to having a good discussion? 
relatively humble, right? You can probably have this conversation with someone, right? You can probably enter into that. But the other thing to consider is what if they're not? What if they're a person who in general, it's what the Bible calls foolish. Um, they, it's a person who refuses to care or to learn. So they're saying something that's provoking and you're pretty sure that they don't care that it's provoking. You're pretty sure that they don't care if there's anything to learn about the situation. You know, you're pretty sure that they're just saying it because they want to either get a rise out of someone or mock someone or whatever. That is what the Bible calls foolish. And then chapter 26 continues. If you continue to read on, it'll go on to dis describe what this foolish person would look like. And that's someone who's lazy, unwilling to learn, unreliable, prideful. There's this phrase that, that Taka always says to me, and he will always say, Natalie, don't waste your time arguing, wrestling with a pig, right? Because you both get muddy, but the pig has fun. Right? You both get muddy, but the, the pig has fun. So don't get muddy. Just, you, just walk away. That is what the Bible calls a foolish person that you should not engage with. Okay? So the, the other ones, probably go ahead and engage with that. Or the last one is if love demands it. So I think it's important to note, is this statement damaging God's witness or the character of another person? Um, does, what does love demand me to do in that moment? So if somebody's being picked on or harassed, um, or if it's a Christian saying something that is unloving, we need to go to that person and let them know, hey, this is not representing the character of God. In 31.8.9, it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. So that is really important part of it too. So those are some keys that we can all look at to should I engage? Sh who should I engage with? What situations? Those are some really good, I think, important keys of how we should engage. And I think that it always remember that the whole goal should not be um, to win, but the whole goal should be restoration, reconciliation. God is a builder, right? So we're not trying to tear people down. We're trying to build back up. So nobody really responds well to just being put in their place. So remember that we want to build and restore at the end of that conversation. The next thing that Proverbs says is really unwise is gossip and slander. And honestly, some of us have made light of this. And some of us, it's like what we do for fun. We like go have coffee with our friends and we catch up on all the latest celebrity gossip. Or we go and we like to just talk about everything that's happening in our office. And it's our fun thing that we do. It's our guilty little pleasure, right? I hear about this a lot. Um, we pick up the little gossip magazines and we take in all the little juicy niblets right, about other people's lives that we really know nothing about. And we, we make light of it and we think that it's a fun way to live our life. But the truth of it, you know, another one, actually, I'm going to add this in because I think a lot of us might um, identify with this. But another one of those is the neighbor sites. How many of you have been on your neighborhood site? <sighs> I'm sorry, but every time I leave my neighborhood site, I, I feel so anxious. I feel like someone is going to immediately break into my house or, like, immediately slash my tires or whatever because people are they're just talking about all the bad things right? That everything is so bad. Oh my gosh, my neighbor parked in front of my house. How dare they? 
Like, and it's just, you leave it, you leave that moment feeling untrusting of other people, right? So anything that leaves you going, I feel less trusting, I feel more anxious, I feel like people, like even people of God can't be, they can't be trusted. That is not healthy conversation. That does not leave us built up. That does not leave the person who's saying it built up. That does not leave the person who's being said about built up. And so we have to be really careful with our words because they can create a storm. And Proverbs 16, 27 to 27, or 28 says, Scoundrels create trouble and their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and gossip separates the best of friends. And when I read that, I just see the, where it says seeds of strife. See, our words, we have to see them for how powerful they really are. Every word is a seed, and it will be planted and reproduced. And we have to remember that about our words. That they're not just a one-off. I don't just, we don't just fling words into the air. Our words have power. They matter. They're planted, and then what comes out of that is reproduced. And so we have to be careful with what we are reproducing. It also says it's like a blaze. And we all know this really well. It just takes one little spark to create a huge fire. One little spark just causes an entire blaze that is really hard to get out. And so we know about this. We know that a careless word can ruin a person's life. It really can. I'm, I can't even imagine some of the people who get called out on the neighborhood site because some neighbor was like, uh, took a picture of something and it looked a certain way in that picture, but we don't know what that really is about. We don't know if they were having a rough day. We don't know. But that one, that one word can plant a destruction in their life. So we have to be careful about the things that we say, things we listen to. Some of you have been on the receiving end of this, and you know firsthand the pain of what it's like to be a recipient of gossip and slander. It hurts. It's rough. So we have to be careful when, when, with our words. And um, I love this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt because it, it really sums it up for me. And she says, great minds discuss ideas, but average minds discuss events. But small minds discuss people. So we have a choice with our words, right? We have a choice of what we can build. We can either be people who are future makers with our words. We can plan and do great things. We can vision out ideas to make our world a better place with our words. Or we can just exist, right? Talk about the day, it's fine. It's average, it's fine. We all do that. It's, it's part of life. But I don't think any of us want to be small-minded people. Right? None of us want to tear our world down. And so we have to be careful with our words when we're discussing people. That when we're talking about people, we're, the, we're talking about how good they are. We're the kind of people who talk good behind other people's back. But when we plant, when we plant seeds in other people's life, we're planting seeds of success. Of, we're planting seeds of love. We're planting seeds of them to prosper. So when we talk about people, it's good. So we have to be careful to do that, right? That's what God wants of us. He wants us to be builders. So gossip, yes, it, it's awful. And the thing about gossip is that it's, it's usually done in secret, in private. You don't hear about it as much, right? 
in, on a large scale, but I'd, I'd almost, and I say almost, because I don't really love this either, but I'd almost rather see the loud version of this, um, but I don't want to hear it either. <laughs> it's the mocker. And, but at least the mocker, I don't know what, I don't, they're not hiding what they're feeling, right? With gossip, it's like done behind your back and you, do, you didn't know that someone was like conniving behind you, but mockers, at least you know, right? <laughs> at, least you, at least they're showing their true colors, but that's not cool either. <laughs> that's not okay either. Um, mock, mocking is not okay and they're not off the hook either just because they're showing their true colors. Um, Proverbs 17:5 says, those who mock the poor insult their maker, and those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. And then Proverbs 21:24 says, mockers are proud and haughty, and they act with boundless arrogance. And I don't know about you guys, but I cannot think of a time that I see more of this than election seasons. It is like the worst. I like hate being like like almost like in existence of other people during election season because like everywhere you go, people are like talking about, did you hear what someone said about And it's like, so everyone has this really loud opinion, right? Everyone thinks that they need to mock the other side for one reason or another. And it was, I thought it couldn't get any worse than election season until COVID came and then COVID made it even worse. <laughs> we all saw mockers in full display, didn't we? Some of us wear those mockers and we're like, I'm sorry, Jesus, right? Okay, but I think the thing with mocking is that some of us, we get into this like mode where we think it's okay to mock other people because they deserve it. We think they deserve it because what they did was so dumb, they deserve to be put back in their place. They deserve to be mocked. And I think if we're honest, some of us have had that little... You know, we see someone that we think has done something dumb and then they get, you know, whatever. So people like slamming them or whatever, canceling them. And then there's a little something inside of you that's like, yeah, I like it. You know, I like that. But it's kind of icky, right? And we know that. We know that. Because I think most of us are just trying to do our best. Some of us, some of us. Some of us, maybe we're not trying to do our best. But most of us are just trying to do our best. And no, none of us want to be on the other side of being mocked. Not one. And not only that, but the irony is that when we lower ourselves enough to mock someone, we're actually the ones that deserve the punish, punishment. That's what scripture says. That when we mock, we're the ones who deserve the punishment. We, we don't even realize it. In the moment, how can we consider ourselves better than that person when we're right out here mocking them? And it's so ugly, right? And so punishment is not ours to dole out. It's just not. The Lord will take care of it. That's his job. Punishment is not ours to dole out for other people. So when we mock other people, we're just end up, we just end up making a mockery of ourselves and of God, truly. And so I think for some of us, there's just this little, like, inside of us that we just have to submit to God and be like, okay, I give that control to you, Lord. It's not up to me to make sure that this person gets what's due to them. I'm going to put, I'm going to pray for them, right? The scripture says, pray for your enemies. Pray for the people that bug you, 
pray for them. And that's really hard to do, right? Because you're like, that person makes me mad. Well, what if you go ahead and you like pray that God gives them wisdom? Pray that God gives them success in a good way. Because when leaders succeed, we all succeed. Why don't we pray for that instead of mocking them? And that's, I think, something that we're all going to have to, as we're going into the next election season, is coming so much sooner than I wish it were coming, to remember that and to be wise with our words, to not make a mockery of ourselves and of our God, and to not feel like we have to dole out punishment or not feel like some, we need to give someone what they deserve, but instead treat people with the grace that we were given because we didn't deserve everything that God did for us. But that's who he's called us to be, as people who lay down our lives, even for our enemies. And that's so hard to do. But that's who we're called to be. Because you can, you can actually make a friend out of your enemy if you love them, if you treat them well. And that's how you make a bigger change than by mocking them. All right, so that's all the hard stuff, right? Okay, <laughs> get that like hard stuff out of the way. Now we can talk about the good stuff. Okay, so now it's like how can we use our words wisely? How do we get to use our words wisely? So the next, the, the first thing that I want to talk about, and the scripture talks so much about this, is gentleness. So Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle, anger or, sorry, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. So I don't know... Um, if some of you are just like a little, like I said earlier, I'm a little bit feisty. And uh, sometimes it's really hard for me to answer people in a gentle way when something like gets at me. Um, just kind of like a funny little, it's just a funny little story from this week. Um, I don't know about you, but like when someone tells me that I need to like work on something, sometimes the first thing I want to do is be like, oh yeah, you think I should do that? Do you know what you did earlier this week? <laughs> I know what you did. And you, like, want to let them know, right? Um, <laughs> but scripture's like, listen, listen. A gentle answer will deflect wrath. So maybe, like, stop first before you dish it back. And wisdom says, in the light of the relationships I hope to have, in light of the way I want this day to end, how do I respond? And what's going to be most helpful, Right? So this week, um, just a funny little example, but um, Taka came in the room the other day, and he's like, hey, Nelly, I need you to fix this. I need you to work on this. And I was like, <sighs> in the moment, I was like, excuse me? And I really, really, really wanted to, like, respond, but I had been reading Proverbs that day. And so I was like, I have to, I have to like, act on this now? Okay, so I'm going to act on this. So in the moment, I was like, okay, I will work on that. And he's like, okay, cool, and he walks away. And so in the moment, I was like, I'm going to go back to our cameras, and I'm going to watch that because I think he was being sassy to me, right? And so I actually, like, went back on our cameras, and I, like, watched the whole thing again. And I was like, was he being sassy to me? And I, like, watched it, and I was like, looking at it from the outside perspective, I was like, he was not being sassy at all. Like, he was being super normal, asking me to do something, and I was just like, it was me that had the issue. It was not him. It was me because I was only thinking about myself. I was only thinking about what I wanted in that moment. 
And when the truth is, when I took a step back and I looked at the bigger perspective of what was happening, what he was asking me to do was not a bad thing. It was a good thing. He was right. He should have asked me to fix it. And so when we step back and we take a bigger perspective and we're like, it's about more than just how I feel in this moment, but what really needs to happen. And when we choose gentleness in the moment, we're choosing to stop the fight before it even begins. Because we know that our love for that person comes before our need to get the last words. And so we restrain ourselves with a gentle answer. So when you choose gentle words, you look beyond what people deserve or what you think they deserve in that moment. And you look and you see what you both need in that moment. And that's how you give a gentle answer. What do we both need in this moment? He needed to know that I heard him, that I was on his side, that I'm not going to, that I can be trusted when he asks me to do something, that I'm not going to lash out at him. And, and I need that day to end really well, right? <laughs> I, need, I need to be able to see him when I walk into the kitchen in five minutes and not be mad. <laughs> A gentle answer will solve that. In Proverbs 15, 4, it says, gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So the thing about gentleness, it says, I love this, that it calls it a tree of life because it says that in our conversations, when we use gentleness, we've made room for safety and shelter and healing and nurturing. Like you think of a big tree, what lives in it, a, a nice big tree of life has all kinds of animals and creatures that can exist with it. They're getting life from it. They're being nurtured by it. They're being covered by it. And that's what our words need to be. Wouldn't we love for people to describe us that way? Isn't that the way we want our relationships to be? Is that when people come to us to talk, they know that they're going to feel safe. They're going to feel covered. They're gonna, our, our, their wounds are going to be healed instead of like getting rewounded, right? We're not going to open up those ones again. Um, our words are going to fill them back up. Like, they can trust that our responses aren't going to be loaded, that we're not going to snap back at them. Don't you want to be that kind of person? That's what I want. I want to be a person who people know they can trust when they come to me. They're going to leave in better condition. And that's what gentleness does. It allows us to have those kinds of relationships and those kinds of conversations. And then um, the next one is discretion. And you're like, wait, discretion? Like, is discretion words? It is. And here's, what, here's how I'll tell you. So 1622 says, discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. And so, so many times, it's what we don't say that actually makes the biggest difference, right? Not saying something actually might be the boldest statement that you actually make. You guys, you guys know where I'm coming from? Do you know what I'm getting at? Okay, choosing your words carefully before you speak could make a world of difference because sometimes we can choose to leave out unnecessary information. You know what I'm talking about when I say you can leave out unnecessary little tidbits of information that might make someone look bad or might give away too many details or isn't maybe the whole truth or we don't know if it's the truth. We can use discretion and say, I'm just going to leave that out. And that can make a really, really bold statement about your character 
right? So scripture says that love actually covers a multitude of sins. And it doesn't mean that it covers up bad behavior. It's not saying, like, um, you want people to get away with stuff. You love so people so they can get away with stuff. That's not what that means. What that means is that you cover them before you condemn them. You take time first to hear the evidence before making a statement, before making a judgment. You cover that person long enough to be able to speak into their life. You cover that person long enough to be able to get the facts before you share details that really aren't appropriate to share. And so Proverbs 18.13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And I, I, talk, I talked about this last week, but I think some of us should hear it again maybe, okay? Um, have we ever shared anything online that we just didn't know if it was true? Maybe we shared it and we thought it sounded good, but we weren't, sure, we weren't sure. We didn't test it. We didn't check it. We don't know who said it. A source said something, and we shared it anyways, okay? That's, that's not using discretion, right? Um, how about if we've shared an, an opinion on, an ex, on something that we're not actually an expert on? That's cool you've got opinions. I do too. I love, I love having opinions. That's cool. But sometimes I think we're so obsessed with our opinions and our age that we forget to know the difference. We need to be wise enough to know the difference between our opinions and facts and truth. And we need to go, if this is my opinion, does it need to be shared? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we can just be like, this is my opinion. I'll keep it to myself. Put it in my pocket. We'll find out if it's true or not, right? <laughs> And it's not that we can't have conversations and talk about things. That's not what I'm saying. But if you know that your opinion is going to start a little something, why? Don't. Just don't. Just save it for later. Wait until you know. Use discretion. Just wait. It hurts you nothing to wait, right? It hurts you nothing. So we need to be wise enough to know the difference between those two and then just hush if we don't. Just hush. It's okay. Sometimes silence is really good. Um, and then uh, the next one, I think actually we're really close to the end here, but the next one is honest feedback. So Proverbs 27, 5 to 6 says, An open rebuke is better than a hidden love, and wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And then as you go down, it says, the, in chapter er, verse 9, it says, Heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. And then as you go down again, it says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And there's, I could do sermons just on this one alone, but we're going to keep it quick here. But we can't be afraid to be honest, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. And we need to help call people upwards when they need it. Right? A good friend is going to be honest with you if you're starting to go down the wrong path. Or if you see someone starting to do something that you know, you're like, hey, I just want you to know I love you. But every time you do that, it gets you into trouble. Things happen when you do this, right? A good friend will be honest because they love you, right? It's not to tear you down. It's to be, to be building you up because they love you and they want good for you. And 
side note, even just about giving advice, okay, um, wise people are really smart about who and when to share advice. So yes, we wanna give good advice, but know when to give advice is really important. And the first thing is to listen. Listen to what people are going through first. Um, when you hear someone out, when you hear what they're, they're going through, when you're being a part of their life, um, sometimes we just need to ask them, do you just need to vent right now? Do you just need to get stuff off your chest? Or do you want me to give you advice? Wait till you're invited in that moment. Do you want, do you want me to listen or do you want me to give advice? Um, and we need to offer understanding before we offer advice. Understanding before advice. In Proverbs 25, it says, though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. So when you're given the go ahead, after you've listened and you've asked and you've given understanding, then with kindness and humility and honesty, we can share words of wisdom with our friends because we wanna lift them up, not because we want bad for them, but because we want good for them. And some of us also, maybe we need to learn how to accept that advice too. It hurts a little bit, right? Someone's telling us something and it's like, it's a little painful, we don't wanna do it. We know it's gonna be hard work. We're gonna have to resist what we wanna do. But we can trust the wounds from a friend who we know is wise and loves us. We can trust those wounds because we know that they're for our good. And then the very, very last thing is encouragement. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain and they encourage many. And it all comes back to this one thing we've said earlier, which is, have our words left people in better condition than we found them? Do our words bring refreshing to a dry soul, someone who's just needing encouragement? I think even just a question we can ask ourselves is, are, do people know more about our critiques of them than they know about the good things we see in them? How much are we using our words to build? And how much are we using our words to tear apart? We need to use our words to build. And if maybe your percentages are a little off, maybe the critiques are up here and the encouragement is down here, our challenge this week is to just shift. People, do people know beyond a shadow of a doubt how much we love them, how much we believe in them, how much God cares for them, how much we see a future for them, how much they have a purpose, how amazing they've been created, how beautiful they are. Do they know? Our words should be a life-giving fountain in a world of discouragement. When sometimes days are hard and rough, we just need to be that. So what if we just took the time in every encounter to give one positive encouragement. Every time we talk to someone, may we choose to build, always choose to build. So our challenge for this week is, one, are there any areas of my life that maybe I have been tearing down with my words that now I need to rebuild and restore with God's help? Just as we go into worship, these are things to think about. Number two, what worlds 
are you building intentionally or unintentionally with your words in your relationships your work your school your community because you can start today you can start to build something new with your words but what worlds are you building with what's been coming out of your mouth what seeds have been planted and how can you dig up the, the bad ones and put in some new ones right where can we number three add gentleness humility discretion kindness or honesty in our relationships so as we go in, into worship those are just some questions I want us to just think about with our words how we can use them wisely how God wants us to maybe navigate some different situations in our life and I think sometimes it can feel impossible to just like power it out right I don't even sometimes I'm like I don't even have the willpower to just say what's right but that's why we have the Holy Spirit and so I think for some of us, it's like we need to just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help me to use words that build? Would you help me? And take this moment as we go into worship to just really surrender and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to help you. That's why he's there. He wants to do that for you because that's how we get the fruit of the Spirit is by surrendering to the Holy Spirit, to surrendering to what God wants for us, not what we want, right? So I'm gonna just take a moment, I wanna pray over us, and then we're gonna get go ahead and take some time and connect with God. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you for the words of wisdom that you've shared with us about how we can live a life of wisdom, how we can build a world around us that makes a difference. Thank you for sharing that with us. God, if there's anyone in this room feeling discouraged, feeling torn apart, Lord, I pray that you would just restore them. Pray if anyone has been disconnected from you, Lord, that you would reach down and show them. God, you've just been waiting for them to reach back out to you. Would they connect with you? Would you meet them right where they are? Guilt and shame erased, Lord, letting them know that there's freedom, there's forgiveness, there's love. Would you pour that out in Jesus' name? I just pray for anyone who wants to be more like you. Holy Spirit, would you fill us?